right, follow me. Let's go down now and burn down City Hall. Let's go. Yeah, you see? Boy, inside of each one of you is this little furry creature with the fangs, little red eyes, a beak, and it lives in that swamp next to your pancreas. And it swims around, you know, looks out. And all of your life, you're trying to keep it down, pretending you don't have it. You're the only rotten one. Well, I'm going to tell you, somebody here just a minute ago said, tell the story of the time that you dug the drainage ditch. You know, you always hear about digging ditches. You ever heard the, heard the phrase, I dig ditches for a living? How many of you ever have? <laughs> Oh, I dug ditches, and I'll tell you, digging ditches is very different from the way you think it is. I'm in Company K, see. I'm, whenever you see army pictures, or you see, uh, or you read novels about the army, or you see combat or something on TV, you know, with Rip Torn and Van Johnson and all those guys that are always fighting that great war, wherever it is, you never see what army life is like. Real army life. And so one day, old Company K has come back from 17,000 miles over the boondocks. We've come back from the rifle range. We have marched 15 miles. We're just completely, you know, no guts left at all. We come dragging along through the company street. And our first lieutenant, oh, our great first lieutenant, all of his life he was bucking for captain. Never made it, by the way, because of Company K, you know, us. And so he's up there, you can just see him slumping a little bit and strung out behind him, the platoons, one after the other. I'm in a second platoon, see. I'm about four rows back. Next to me is Gasser. We're just coming in. We're coming in at just at, at a plain, ordinary, what they call trail walk. You know, we just walk on, sweating. Once in a while, somebody's bad, dad. There's only one thing you say to other guys in the Army. Somebody hits you with his canteen, you're out there. You're buddies, you know. We even had a week that we commemorated it. You know, you know what, your buddies week. Do I have to tell you that? Oh, yeah, I can remember standing in a chow line, you know, and somebody said, what is this? And I said, you know what week it is, Charlie. That's the way it was in the Army. See, we're coming back this day. I'll remember this day among many others as a true army day. We've been out since four o'clock in the morning. We have marched all the way to the rifle range. We have been humiliated at the rifle range. <laughs> that is a humiliating thing. You know, I wonder how many civilians know how, what, a, what an awful thing it is. You know, you feel great with this gun. You know, they give you this gun and you're taught the nomenclature. No, the nomenclature, the repair and the maintenance of the M1. Gas-operated semi-automatic rifle. You see, you know the thing, see. And that you even learn how much it weighs. But that figure that they give you is a lie. <laughs> it really weighs a half a ton, you know. And here it is. It's yours, see. You, got it. You, you learn the serial number. I could give you the serial number of the damn thing, you know. Even to this day, when I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and somebody hollers, I say, 16098946 GTM. I say, oh, oh no, 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 that's, that's not the number. <laughs> you lay there, see. And so we're coming back from the range. Now, that had been a bad day. We had just gone through dry firing two weeks before. You know, where you lay on it. This is something. You, you lie on the ground, see, and you practice shooting the gun. That's called dry firing. And they have little targets that they lay down there in front of you, and it simulates a 1,000 yards or 300 yards or 500. And you lie there, see. And you practice squeezing them off. First, there's the sitting position, you know, with the thing. I can't do it quite here, but you know, with the knees up like this, with the sling. Click. Yeah, pretty damn good. There's nothing in it, you know. You just keep clicking. Then you try it prone. You lie at the 45-degree angle. See, with the clay and the junk in your face, you get your elbow underneath. Click. Bullseye. <laughs> I'm a hell of a shot. <laughs> then you try the standing position. You know, the one where you go like this, you know, standing. 
Got to get balls of your feet, you know, the whole thing with the sling, your arm up. Click. This has been going on for week after week in the sun. And now the first day at the range. We're all strung out. A hundred of us lying on our stomachs. And next to us, our buddy, our coach. And 300 yards away is that big parapet where the targets come up. And then the, the, the field range officer, the rifle range officer, you hear him holler, Issue one round ball ammunition! And they give you a shell, a real cartridge, see? Load and lock! You shove it in. You're shooting from the prone position. You've got a real cartridge in this thing now. Ready on the right! There's a pause, and then, boom! Some guy shoots his foot off. <laughs> Already our first casualty, you hear? That's the first time we've actually heard one of these damn things go off, you know? Then the range officer says, hold everything till further commands, and they carry him out. <laughs> and another guy lays down in his slot. And I'm shooting at target 71. There it is right ahead of me, see. Ready on the left. Ready on the right. Targets up. And boom, up go the targets. And you start squeezing it off, see? Just like on the, on the, on the dry firing range. Squeeze it. <laughs> you hear way down. A couple of guys are flying. Something goes past you. Squeeze. You're squeezing. All of a sudden, boom! Your hat flies shut. Something hits you like that. You spin around, and the guy next to me is wearing glasses. I see his glasses are eight feet in the air, you know. They're up in the air, you know, boom! And then my target goes down. I'm waiting there, see. And up it comes, the big flag, like that, see. This big red flag, Maggie's drawers! That means you missed, see. Missed, I had it right in the sight. That's a bad rifle. Hey, give me a bum rifle. I had it right in the sight. Issue, pull ammunition, load and lock. And all day it's like that. That bang, boom, your hat flies. Bang, you get hit in the mouth with the, with the ejected cartridge. That's a good thing. You know. Teeth bang like that. Have you noticed in the army, in, 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 the, in the movies, they fire like this from the hip? I'll never forget seeing John Wayne firing a, 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 a Springfield 303 from the hip. Do you realize what that would do to a guy? <laughs> Didn't do it to him, you know. He, he wiped out the whole 28th Panzer Division, you know, just like that. See? Boy, wow. So, so then, after, after, after lunch, we're sitting there. See, I have fired in the morning. I'm sitting there saying, oh, what a rotten score. And all of Company K is sitting there, you know. This, this crowd of, of inept soldiers who just six hours before thought we could take on all of Von Rundstedt's men. There's been three hits. And they were only probables. <laughs> we're sitting there, you know. And they come around with the food, you know, and out, out the rifle range, you get, you get the same old stuff, SOS, you know, you're sitting there. <laughs> and somehow you lost all your appetite, you know, you, you just sit there, you flap it off, you know. Then the sergeant says, oh, pick up that SOS. <laughs> oh, oh, darn. Have you ever been down on your knees with a spoon with the SOS? You're picking it up, you know, Trying to keep the sand out of your ice cream. You're sitting, you're sitting there, you know. And then finally, all of a sudden, the whistles go. All right, all of you guys that fired, go down to the pitch. You're on, you're on targets. The rest of you guys line up, draw your ammunition. We're ready to go again. And I'm back of the pits now. 
Now, this is something I've never seen in a movie. That's pulling targets back of the pits. You know what that's like? There's a big concrete trench, see, that's about, oh, maybe 15 feet above your head. Big thing, see. And there's two tracks, like little rails, run up, see. And here's the target. It's a big thing like this, like a big, big placard. And it's got two handles. It runs up and down on these tracks, see. And there's two of you back there. You and your buddy. Me and Gasser, in this case. We have scored between the two of us 23 this morning firing out of a possible total of 250, see. So now we're back here, you see. We're going to get our revenge. We're standing back there, see. Here's our big target. It's got these big circles in the middle of it. It's this big black bullseye. Four, three, two, bullseye, see. Okay. We're waiting. And the, the corporal who's in charge of the pits is walking up and down. He says, all right, you guys, stay close to the concrete. You know, they're not firing BB guns. And these guys liable to shoot anything <laughs> that moves. Stay close to the concrete. Pull them targets fast and mark them. Now, what does mark them mean? That means this. When you pull it down, there's the bullet hole in it, see? You take a big piece of cardboard that's white, and it's got a plug, little plug in it, see? And you stick it in there, and so you put it up, and they can tell where they hit it, see? That's plugging it. Then you pull it down, you put a patch over it with glue, see? You're ready to go again, see? So we got our pot of glue. <laughs> you know, we're so hopeful, you know. We got a thousand patches up there, you know. We got plugs and telephones and all that with our little tin hats on. We're waiting, see? And then we hear way off in the distance, we hear them hollering already. All right, you guys, let's go. Coaches in position. Issue one round, full ammunition, load and lock. Ready on the right. Ready on the left. Targets up. That means you go. <laughs> so Gasser grabs his end. I grab my end. <laughs> we hang on to it. And then you start to hear it. And you hear boom, boom. Get them. Bullets going off. And rocks and pieces of junk and tin cans. They're hitting the ground in front of the target, see? Tin cans and logs and stuff. Gasser my God, they're shooting at us. And our targets go boom, boom. Pull it down. Nothing but mud all over. Not a single hole in the darn thing, see? Gasser says, who is it? I says, I don't know. I think it's Martin. He says, plug it. Boom, we put a hole in it. Put it plug, up it goes. The range officer, four on target 73? Yeah, four. He's good. Yeah, okay. Down it comes. Up it goes. We wait. Boom, 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 boom. Dum, 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 dum. Our targets go, go, go. We pull it down. 38 holes in it. 38, 38 guys have been firing at the wrong target. So we plug the one in the bullseye. Up it goes. Well, I want to tell you, Martin scored sharpshooter. He didn't hit the target once all afternoon. And the next day, Shepard got a sharpshooter's rating. Martin was in the pits. <laughs> now, you see, you know, everybody works together. Cooperation is the thing, you know. And so we're coming home from this rotten day. Oh, it's been terrible. You know, it's sweaty and dirty. We're covered with glue. All the mud that's flown down our back. Two guys got no foot, you know. One guy got one through the hand. Oh, yeah, I'll never forget that moment. That was a wild instant. One of the guys, his target came off the track, see? And he says, hey, Sergeant, my target's off the track. And he's walking around with it, you know. Boom, boom, yeah. I remember the sergeant, one word, he'll get your butt down! Give him a little silhouette, and he's laying on the ground with a target. Up. <laughs> so here we come back in old Company K. What a fighting company, you know, we're walking back. These guys with their glasses all twisted. You know. <laughs> Our rifles are dirty, and there's crud in it, and rocks in it, you know, and the whole thing. We're coming back, and our canteens are half filled with brackish water. Oh. 
You ought to taste a canteen after the water's been in it for three days. It reminds you of New York City water. And we're walking back, see? Nobody's saying a word. Just that great satisfaction. Boy, am I going to hit that sack. Oh, just going. I get a pack. We got 75 pounds of tent pegs on our back. And very useful stuff, you know. Tent pegs and junk like that. Little shovels and stuff. You ever wondered what's in those packs? <laughs> well, some of the things I can't tell you. So we're walking back. We get in the company area. The first sergeant stands out in front of us. He says, all right, you guys. Attention. Immediately following Chow, there will be a detail. A detail? Oh. Well, there were several kinds of details. The one detail had a word before it that you often see written on subway walls. And he had that look in the eye that said, it's one of them details. I don't want to hear any junk out of any of you. Shut up. There is a detail ahead of us. So immediately after Chow, come back here, change into your other fatigues. Fatigues. Oh. And automatically, you can see all of it going. That little brief instant between supper time, after you've stuffed yourself with dried eggs, you know, and they had, they had, they had a certain kind of cold cut in the army. And they had a name for it. It, it referred to horses. And, and, you know, after that great sumptuous meal of, of, of scrambled dried eggs and cold cuts, liquid jello, I drank more jello in the army. It comes liquid, you know, warm. They serve it warm. You'd be surprised. You know, you drink it down grape jello with rice in it. That's great. So, this is supper, see, and a, and a big chunk of bread. And, and there's that one brief moment in the army that goes between supper time and taps. Lights out. It's your time. This is your world, see. You can lay on your sack. You can just lay there, see? And you don't have to sleep or nothing. You can just lay there. If I wanted to, I could get up. If I wanted to, I wouldn't get up. I'd just lay here, you know? And you yell at somebody, Hey, gasser! Then you have to fill that in the rest, see? Just let them know you're there, see? Or you can sit on your locker. A lot of things to do, you know? It's your time. Or you can go down and stand and look in the butt can. <laughs> we used to like to look in our butt can, see? We had these big cans, that are, you know, the big, the big pillars in the, in the barracks. They put the big cans there, and these butt cans had been there since the Boer War. <laughs> we could see these old Civil War cigars and stuff, you know? We'd look at the butt cans once in a while. Then from time to time, we'd go down and we'd watch the corporal sew on stripes. <laughs> That's a big night, you know, and he's down there and he's got his field jacket on and very ostentatiously he's putting on stripes on his pajamas, see. <laughs> he's sewing them there like this. We look. Very good. And the corporal there, that snotty look, you know, I made it, you guys. Put the stripes on. He had stripes that had little gold threads that lit up. That batteries in his pocket, see. We'll watch him for a while. Then once in a while, you go down, see? You go down to the orderly room then. See, you're enjoying your spare time. You're all dressed up. That's the thing you do, too. Immediately after chow, you go in, you get all dressed up. You spend that two hours, you know, like a human being with your tie on and stuff. Then we'd go down to the orderly room and watch. We'd watch the first sergeant yank passes. <laughs> now, for those of you who have not been in the Army, <laughs> that is... Sending various guys to Siberia, you know, we'd watch him. He's pulling the passes, cutting orders to send guys to places like uh, who knows where, the Sahara Desert and stuff. You know, and after a while, we'd start drifting back to the barracks. This is our time. Well, this night it is killed. No fun tonight. The corporal's going to sew on his stripes by himself tonight. You know. Oh jeez. So we sat down to supper. Now, there is no 
there is no feeling like the feeling of totally having no control. You know, it's funny. All of us as civilians don't realize how much control we have over our destiny. Yeah, you can do almost anything. Believe it or not, you could actually quit Benton and Bowles. You could if you wanted to. You know, you could go and say, Ah, Bullard, that's for you. Ah. You could do it. You won't, but you could do it. But we could do nothing. So, you know, you, you accept it. So we're all sitting around. We're shoveling in the eggs. It's not a word spoken. Just eating. And the KPs are walking up and down, giving us more water. All right, you shortstop. Go up and get the bread yourself. Friendly mess hall tonight. Then once in a while, you'd hear just one single word. It would roll out through the audience. And it had all different inflections, meaning different things. One guy had a pass to go to Neosho tonight. And his was bitter and angry. Then there was the philosophical way of using that word. You know, that kind of like Albert Camus. Or maybe uh, existentialistically you could use it. That's with flat, no inflection. We're only here. And there's only one thing that's happening to us. This is it. Blah. So we're eating, eating. And then one by one we start drifting into, back into the barracks. Old Company K, you hang your rifle up on the rack. You start taking your pants off, your cruddy old fatigues, with the clay and the glue, the SOS on it, you know. Yeah, you know, you take them off and you put on the other ones. You, you don't even take a shower tonight, you're smelly. You had the same set of underwear on now for three weeks. That's part of the army. The, 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 the laundry never comes back in the army. <laughs> Listen, I got 4,000 pounds of, of, of laundry still in the signal corps. It'll come someday, you know. Socks and all. So we're standing there waiting around. Because we know whatever it's going to be, it's going to be rotten. No question about it. And then the whistles start blowing. Ooh, those awful whistles. Am I glad that the New York cops don't use whistles? Not, you know, the real whistles, because I hear this whistle, I get that sick feeling in my gut. You can hear that whistle, beep, beep, beep. Out we go. Standing like this. This is the look of a GI about to be called to attention. You're wearing your helmet liner, your leggings, because you're, you're liable to be wading in some interesting stuff. Up to your knees, usually. We're standing there. And along comes that crummy little duty corporal. There's one in every company. He's from Tennessee. He was in the National Guard. He's got red hair. He played quarterback on some high school football team. And is he bugged? All right, you guys. All right, you line up, count them a twos. I don't want no lip. Little squirt. You know, he's got big stainless steel stripes. You know, it's funny, all of us walk around town, you know, and we see these soldiers and they look so gummy, you know. It's like, you see these guys with two stripes drinking Needix orange. You have no idea what they're like back home and what power they've got. Most people think only the only guys that got power are the guys with stars and bars. Let me tell you. I was scared of corporals for two years. I never knew that a PFC could send me to Germany to fight Hitler myself. And they did, you know. And so we're standing there walking around, waiting. He's all right, count of twos, march past the early room, draw your equipment. All right, let's go forward, arch. Ha, ho, hey. Off we go. Draw the equipment. All right, here it is. This is it. We're standing in front of the orderly room, and there's that little window. And back of it is a supply sergeant handing us each and every one. First, a pick. You get a pick. The next guy gets a shovel. Then a pick. Then you start counting. Am I, gonna, am I a pick man or a shovel man? <laughs> pick man or shovel man? You know, there's a certain difference there, you know. One guy shovels, the other guy starts the thing. He's a little head, you know. Pick, shovel, pick, shovel, pick, shovel. 
I said, I'm a pick man. I've made it. I'm, I made it. I'm a pick man. There I am. Gasser's ahead of me. Back of him is Martin. We're called pick men. Hey, hey, you're going to get a shovel, Martin. You've got it again, Dad. He said, oh, yeah, yeah. Pick. About ten guys ahead of me. He says, all right, we're all out of picks. Shovels now. Shovels. Okay. Shovel. I got the shovel. Now we are all lined up. Company K. Speaking of shovels, that reminds me of something. <laughs> what radio station is this, gang? W Come on, hit it. Come on. Ed, where are we? Oh, that miserable town. Oh, wow. Oh, what a fantastic night. Oh, man, Shepard is really on tonight. What a fantastic show. And now this is <laughs> Gene Shepard back here at the studio to remind you that you better get a hold of your copy of tomorrow morning's New York Times. The big Sunday edition is out on the stand. Hey, listen, I have heard a... In fact, here's a note that says they've got an article in this... The Times that's coming out that is out now uh, this weekend on W.C. Fields. Listen to this. It says this very Sunday they have an article about Fields that says he was a cheapskate, a troublemaker, a boozer... And everything we don't admire in people. That sounds like a great guy. <laughs> oh, boy. Leave it to the Times. Well, anyway, uh, hurry up now, man. You don't want to be caught off base this weekend without the Times, without your crossword puzzle. Pick up your copy of the New York Times Sunday edition. It's on the stand right now. And now let's get back to the limelight, gang. We saw on rare occasions, like Thanksgiving... <laughs> We saw him once briefly at Easter when he gave us an Easter bunny egg and during court-martials. The only time to see the captain, see, he was a big, tall West Pointer. Oh, fantastic, flat gut, you know. Oh, yeah, he had this uniform that was cut that fitted him like Superman. This big West Point ring on his hand. Captain, he was bronzed. He looked like Gary Cooper, you know. He really heroic. And the one thing that bugged him was that his company was Company K. After all that education, his great-grandfather led a charge against Lee. His father was now in charge of 15 divisions in North Africa, and he had Company K. So here he is. See, he's walking around in front of us, had a clipped way of speaking. He said, men, we are about to beautify the area. Well, if you've ever seen Camp Crowder beautifying the area, why, that's like making a flower garden out of the Mojave Desert, you know? So we're about to beautify the area. And the way I see it is along the company street, right here, all the way down to Company D's area, I want a trench. We want a drainage ditch. But we're going to have a drainage ditch. It's a beautiful drainage ditch. It's going to be cut seven feet across, six feet deep, and I want a perfect V. All right, all set. Any questions? Any questions? There were plenty of questions. Any questions? And we could see all the rest of the other companies. They're walking around in their Class A's, all dressed up with candy bars in their mouth. <laughs> guys are going to the PX. Other guys are going down to watch the movies. Here's Company K. And they set up. I will never forget the scene. We figure, well, as soon as it gets dark, he's dead. Here it is. It's about ten minutes to dusk. We're jigging away there. We're real slow. See, we're working. Watching the sun go down. And there's a truck coming down the street. It stops. Four guys get out and start setting up lights. It's a night game. He's got lights, 45 floodlights. And we are digging under the lights. And guys kept walking past, you know. It's now 10 o'clock. We've been digging three hours. And guys from other companies, they can't believe it. I said, what, what's the matter? He says, a bunch of prisoners of war or what? You're damn right! They're going to stop Other guys are putting it in the trucks and we're working away. And we figured now if we could get this ditch done, then we're done, see? So now 
we start working like mad. Digging. You never saw a guy. The whole company is digging like it's out of its skull. Well, by 11.30, taps had already sounded. We're still at work. We've got the ditch. Beautiful ditch. And you know, there's that great feeling of having done a really crappy, rotten job. <laughs> and you really did it, you know? You know, at first we'd been complaining bitterly for hours. Now he says, gee, look at our ditch. A great ditch. A terrific ditch. So now here we're standing up there patting it. And putting... <laughs> hey, Gasser, get that little... There's a footprint over there. Get it there. And out of the orderly room comes the captain. Walks up and dies. Very good. Very good, man. Very good. Now we can get to work. What do you mean, get to work? He says, in five minutes, there will be some trucks arrive. We are going to beautify the area. They are going to have in those trucks rocks. I want this to look like the most beautiful rock garden in the world. I want it lined with rocks. I want them all carefully fitted together. Lining it with rocks. And so, sure enough, five minutes later, the trucks arrive. And we're on our hands and knees putting the rocks in. All the way up, six-foot ditch, rocks. It's two o'clock in the morning. Two guys have collapsed. They're laying there asleep. <laughs> the lights are shining down. The corporal says, All right, you guys, we got this thing about a half done. Let's knock off. We'll finish it tomorrow. Back to the barracks. Oh. We sit there. No. We got to do it tomorrow. I never saw Errol Flynn do this. Ben Johnson never did this junk. And we were too tired even to use our vocabulary that night. It's funny, man. Even get, you get so tired when, believe me, you can get so tired that all the rottenness goes out of you. You're just as pure and harmless as a baby. We're just sitting there. And I fell asleep sitting on my bunk with my back up against the barracks wall. I remember just sitting there like that. And I'm asleep. Instantly I'm awake. The whistles are going. It's reveille. Oh, I'm all dressed already, you know. My bed's made. I got it made, you know. A little bonus here, you see. So all the next day, we're out there at the rifle range, and the temperature is 105 degrees, and it rains, and then it shines, and it rains. We've got more glue and crud all over us. But now all the spirit is gone, because there's not going to be any sitting around watching the corporal tonight. We know it. We're just up with the targets down. Ah, shut up! Up with the down. Ready on the right, ready on the left, and the sweat's pouring. Back we come. Back like this. Don't say a word right past the orderly room, into the barracks. The first time I ever saw a complete company miss chow. Didn't even eat, just sat. Hats down. The whistle blows one hour later. Up we go. Down into the ditch. <laughs> company K, boy, what a spree decor, you know. What morale? What a fighting outfit, see? But somebody up ahead of me, I remember that, I remember that line. I, it was a line I was to have heard a thousand times hence. It was the first time I heard it. The guy says, there's only one thing. The Germans must be more blank than we are. They're losing. Can't believe it. With an army like this, how can they be losing? They must even be worse. Somebody says, yeah, you could be in a panzer off. You ought to see what they're doing tonight. They we're putting the rocks up. Two o'clock in the morning. It's done. Beautiful. You should see. Have you ever lined something with round rocks, stones? It has a certain uh, shibui quality. That's kind of Japanese art. It's just lovely. See, Our company stood out like no company ever saw in your life, and they whitewashed it. We had our trench. It ran all along the company. All the other companies, you know, looked like a disaster area. And Company K, at 2 o'clock in the morning, for the first time, became a company. Pride. Good old Captain Riker. 
What a great captain. He's not so bad. What a ditch. Wait till M Company sees that. Oh, boy, them guys at D Company are going to die. Why? He, we slept the sleep of the just. Men who had done their bit against Hitler. Yes, we slept that night and the next morning. The captain is out in front of us. He says, men, as you know, the general is going to inspect Camp Crowder. He's going to be here today, and that's why we made this ditch. I wanted him to see that Company K was the most on-the-ball company in the whole damn army. And we are, right? <laughs> A single roar. <laughs> now, come on, I want to hear it. Roar it out. The best damn company in the whole damn army, right? Right. All right, men. I'm going to give you two hours off this afternoon. want you to press your uniforms. want you to get all set for that inspection. And just before chow, the general is going to go by in his staff car. I want Company K to be lined up sharp as a tack, right? Right. And that night we stood there lined up in front of our ditch. We done it. There it is. And we're waiting. All dressed up, our beautiful suntan shirts, our hats on at that cocky angle, you know, waiting. And we could hear him coming way down at the other end of the battalion street. You know, when you hear a general approaching, he doesn't come like on cat's paw feet. You can hear guys all over. We hear it coming. We see. We see this cubby coming towards us, see? You see these green cars with flags flying, you know? Motorcycles, guys out in front. And here's this open car and this little short fat guy in it. Little short fat guy and his collar's turned up, you know? You can see sweat on his collar. He's got three stars, little rimless glasses, and he's sweating through his uniform. He's our general. Somehow he looked he, he looked like Mr. Ramey, who used to come and collect the rent at our house. You know, poor old Mr. Ramey, who was on WPA all of his life. And here's our general, see, and he's standing in the back there, and he's throwing salutes to each company. He's going past, and they'd stop, see, and he'd talk to the captain of each company. He'd say, Captain Gross, hey, yes, sir, yes, sir. And all the men would salute, and we're watching this. And we're thinking, wait till he sees Company K. Wait till he sees this company. We see that cubby coming down the street, closer and closer. Now he's down there at Company L. But wait. Then our captain turns around with that West Point snap. It's all right, company. A hut. We snap to. We're standing there. Here he comes. The general of the entire signal corps. He was legendary. I mean, he's like, uh, like Aga Khan. <laughs> Something mythical, mythological. You just heard of it. Here he is. He's right there. You see those little stars, real stars, see? And he takes a look at our company. What the hell is this? <laughs> of course, said, what do you mean, what the hell is this? Captain, come over here. And the captain runs over. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. What happened to this company area? Who put this ridiculous trench in here? What do you think this is, a garden club? You're not back in New Jersey now. I want that removed by tomorrow night. And he disappeared into the distance in a cloud of dust. And you could hear the guys in company and go... It means only one thing in the army. <laughs> and our captain is staring. He turns around. He says, turn, turn. We've just received countermanding orders. You heard what the general said. From now on, we are going to be the best goddamn company in the whole army, right? 
was standing there. Dismissed! Draw your shovels! And that whole night with the light shining on us, we filled it in. Other guys brought sacks of dirt. I'm carrying rocks. This continued for three whole days until finally there was nothing but a little line of soft dirt. And what remained of Company K's great effort to become the greatest company in the whole army. An old captain stood there in front of it that day and he said, Men, you did a good job. So I'll tell you what. I'm going to do something that I never did in the army before. Tonight, and don't you tell anybody else in any other company, if this gets out, I'll bust you. You are going to be busted lower than any private. Now, if one of you will step forward, I'll give you the keys to my car. It's parked back of the orderly room. Open up the trunk and bring out what's in there. And Gasser steps forward. He gives him the keys. He walks back of the orderly room. There's a long, pregnant pause. The captain's walking back and forth. All of a sudden, Gasser comes around the edge of the orderly room and he's carrying a big case of Shenley's. A case of whiskey. Brings it out, lays it down. The captain says, all right. Tonight, Company K is going to have a company party. Don't utter a word of this. Immediately after chow, we're going to put curtains over the mess hall windows. We're going to lock the doors. And we'll go until reveille. <laughs> well, that night after chow, you know, we can hardly wait. We're eating like mad, you know. <laughs> Company K's at the jackpot, you know. We're eating away there like that, stuffing it in. Jack says, I'm not going to eat much. <laughs> he knew what happened. Two drinks, wow, you know. We're all eating away there. See, we can hardly wait. We're sitting there now. It's after chow. In comes the mess sergeant. He says, all right, you guys, help me with these curtains. And we're tacking up pieces of burlap all around the windows. The captain comes in. He says, anybody got a key to the mess hall? Key to the mess hall? We never had a key to the mess hall. We push a couple of chairs up against it. He says, okay. All right. KPs, one bottle to each table. Hup! One bottle to each table. We're all sitting there. He says, all right, company, attention. Hup! All right, open the bottle by the numbers. Hup! One, two, three, cork off. Fill canteen cups from left to right, counterclockwise. Hup! One, two, three. Company, attention. Raise cup on command. Hup! Down the hatch. Now. Ooh. And by the numbers, Company K slowly sank into oblivion. <laughs> Company K slowly sank down there. One o'clock in the morning. Two o'clock in the morning. And we could hear guys gathering. The word had somehow gotten out. Company M was out there looking in. <laughs> Company D was out there milling around in the back. And you could hear the singing and the slow, the slow picking up beat. And by 4 o'clock in the morning, GIs were dancing on the mess hall tables. And the captain was over there lying next to the refrigerator. And for all that night, until that morning when that, that bugle blew and we all stood revelly, it was the first time I ever saw a complete company with a company-sized hangover. We just stood there. The hangover stuck out all over, all around. They should know the whole thing. And that, that kind of a scene... That is, that is army. Now, that may sound like fiction to you, but that is a true story of what actually, and, and I'll bet when I get off the air, some guy's going to call up from Jersey and he'll say, I was in the third platoon. He says, I still got a head. <laughs> well, you know, uh, speaking, speaking of, uh, of the army, and as long as this is, this is uh, apparently going to be an army half hour here, one of, the, one of the wildest things I ever saw happen in the army 
is about the stealing of equipment. You know, there, there's a thing that happens to you in the army. You lose all your sense of morality. You notice that a lot of guys like being in the army? You know what happens when you put the suit on? You look like everybody else. And you walk along Long Branch, and you can think thoughts. <laughs> you can do things that you couldn't even begun to think back in Hessville, Indiana. You know, and you say things, and you tell rotten stories, do all this kind of stuff, and everything, everything around you, see, begins to have that certain anonymous, non-moral quality. I've, I've often felt that one of the reasons why most totalitarian countries dress people in uniforms, total, you know, people dress, if you've seen the Chinese, they have a uniform absolute uniform is because when you put a uniform on you lose the sense of individual the sense of morality you know good and evil and good and wrong and stuff and one day I have got a detail in the supply room now how many of you have ever seen an army supply room you know you know the stuff that the guys use in the army the blankets the mess kits the canteens well they've got a little store in the middle of each army company and it's called the supply room and it's full of goodies <laughs> it's full of fantastic stuff yeah it's always locked see and every time you go to the supply room to draw something you take this little form it's called form 32 and form 32 tells all the things you were ever given in the army it's there see and so you go down and you say I want a pair of shoes your shoes are already up to your knees you know you wore them through he says, okay, typical. Oh, them, those shoes are all right. They'll last you a while. You go. And all of a sudden, I find myself in the supply room. Well, can you imagine yourself spending a night absolutely free and untrammeled in Tiffany's? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, just walking around. you all by yourself, see? And you got the key to all the cases. You play around. You just put these things on, hat, $5,000 watch, and all that stuff. So I'm in the supply room. Me and Gasser, one afternoon, have been given the job to clean up the supply room. Now, in the back, they had this big storeroom. Went all the way back, like a little warehouse. And in front of this thing sat the supply sergeant. He's in charge. He's a real crook. This guy, every night when he left to go back to the palatial mansion he occupied in town, he would go home, he would weigh 40 pounds more than when he came in the morning. He had 19 field jackets on, see? He had six pairs, can you imagine a guy who wears six pairs of shoes, one over the other, you know, he'd walk out. He'd go hopping out, you know. Where do you think the surplus stores got all that stuff? You know, all the supply sergeants, see? So here's this big fat toad sitting there in the front. Yeah, he's got everything. He's got combat boots, you know, that were made for generals, hand tools. And, yeah, he's got it all. He's sitting there, see. And he says, all right, I want you two guys to sweep up back there. And he says, there's a lot of old barrels back there. He says, you and Gassers, you get a couple other guys. I want you guys to go through them barrels. Any old junk you find that has to be thrown out, thrown out. Check with me first. So here we are in the supply room alone, back in the warehouse. Me and Gasser. Martin and Roswell T. Edwards. PFC, Roswell T. Edwards. And we're back there, we're walking around you. Did you see blankets? Look at this. Look at the field jackets, Gasser. A field jacket in the Army is pure gold. Look at the field jackets. Here we are, ragged uniforms, you know. Field jackets. Look at the shoes. Like, look, look at Eisenhower jackets. <coughs> Everything is back here. How come they don't give it to us? <laughs> they were saving it for after the war to sell the surplus, see? <laughs> we never got any of it, you know? We just, it was fantastic. All raincoats that kept out the water. Our raincoats, you know, were made out of cheesecloth, the ones they gave us, see? And it just strained the rain, you know? <laughs> Keep the large pieces of crud off you, that's all. Oh, the water, they said, was good for you, you know? Washed your uniform, so... We're walking around back there, and now we go back to the end. This is one of the great moments I've ever spent anywhere in my life. Walking back, here are these barrels. See? They're all stacked up along the edge. Big pile of them. All right, Gasser picks one up. He says, what's this stuff? 
Ah, some old clothes. Pulls it out. Hey, for, look at this. For crying out loud, look at this. Look at this hat. It's a World War One <laughs> campaign hat. You know the kind like this? It's been stored here for 500 years. They think World War One's coming back. <laughs> and, and with that, I said, no kidding. And I wrote... Sure enough, this whole bunch of barrels is filled with stored World War I uniforms. Well, I put on one of these blouses. You know, I take off my shirt, I put the blouse on. Whew, you know, it's got that high neck. Real high, you know, it's made of sandpaper. It's got little AUS and all that stuff. I said, crying out loud, look at that, it's a World War I uniform. And over here is Roswell T. Edwards. He says, hey, look at these leggings. For, these are ro He's rolling it up. You, have you seen those roll-up leggings? He said, I wonder how they work. He's putting it out. It's like a bandage. <laughs> Guy was all ready when he got shot. He was all set, you know. <laughs> look at that. That was a good idea, you know. I don't know. See, gee was well. And so all four of us are putting on the leggings. We got these skinny pants on. And re they smell like, like camphor and like mothballs and old bugs and stuff. Absolutely brand spanking new. Put these things on. Put on this thing, this campaign hat. I look, at, I look at Edwards. I say, oh, there's old Rickenbacker over there. Hi, old Rickenbacker. He said, oh, look, I'm Pershing. Look, General Pershing, see, walking around. Somebody starts singing, Oh, the fields of Tipperary. Four World War I soldiers are now in the middle of Company K. Playing around. You know, and you know how you, sometimes you get so involved in what you're doing, you lose all sense of time? We're just having a great time when all of a sudden the door opens and out comes Slovak. He is our company... Supply sergeant. Slovak says, What happened to Shepard? Hey, where's Shepard? Hey, you four guys. There we are, four guys. Four uniforms of World War One. He says, Where'd you get them? I started a barrels. You could see it's forming in his mind. The Brooks Costuming Company. Two hundred bucks a piece, mint condition. He said, all right, you guys, take off them suits. Quit playing around. Put them back in. We put the suits back into the barrels, put back on our old crummy uniforms. And somehow the glamour, the whole glory of it was gone. Those guys had a different kind of uniform. You know, you could, you could smell the edges, the, the flowery edges of Jeanette Gaynor, <laughs> Gloria Swanson, F. Scott Fitzgerald. And five minutes later, we're sitting back there eating our SOS. <laughs> this is WOR Radio, your station for news.